Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show, April 11, Thursday, 2019. Uh, the big breaking news, because it just broke pretty much, is uh, the uh, arrest of Julian Assange. I always want to say the loathsome Julian Assange, um, and I would imagine his uh, imminent extradition to uh, the United States. This is going to be, um, I'm not going to jump in here until I'm able to look um, at the law, exactly what he's charged with, legal repercussions. It's, I, I have little doubt that... Um, the Glenn Greenwalds and uh, Snowdens of the world will um, argue that he was just being a journalist. I've never looked at Julian Assange as a journalist. Um, but you'll have to forgive me because of the lateness of when this broke. I don't feel uh, comfortable talking about it, I would think. Um, it's a pretty, pretty difficult case to argue without stepping on legitimate journalistic, uh, probes. Um, although I think what Julian Assange did was criminal. It was certainly reckless. It certainly doesn't um, doesn't fit under any definition of journalism that uh, that I would acknowledge. Um, I mean, I am a holder of a journalism degree myself, and uh, journalism is more than getting information and dumping it <laughs> uh, without, without carefully going through it, determining um, its efficacy, what's important, what is not, what is potentially uh, dangerous to uh, people or nations. Um, I don't know. He didn't do any of that. His, he's a uh, sort of bull in a china shop. Damn the torpedoes, damn the consequences. I don't know. I find him personally, as I said, loathsome. And uh, I'm glad th th this is going to become a national holiday probably in Ecuador because they finally got rid of him. Um, I don't know. So I will um, just sort of hold my fire because I, 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 do, I don't want to say things that are not um, grounded in, in fact. I was, I was right, well, earlier I was trying to read the, um, the indictment that was, um, that the U.S. had uh, sent to, I guess, to Great Britain. Um, 
and it was much longer than I thought it would be, so I didn't um, have an opportunity to really do it all. Anyway, <laughs> never a dull moment. I want to talk uh, more about uh, my astonishment um, and shame on me uh, about uh, Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States. I recall saying, I'm hoping you don't, but I'll out myself here. I recall saying that um, when he was uh, facing his uh, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, for after being nominated by the president, uh, that I came up with a fantasy, and that is what it was, uh, a fantasy that maybe Barr was itching to get into this job so that he could be the hero that saves the country. I was actually thinking that he'd say the right things to Trump and the others, get himself in the job, and then ensure that uh, the Mueller investigation was allowed to go on unfettered, that we would certainly see it, that he would stand up. I don't know why I came to this determination after, I don't know, reading something about him and also seeing that he, he was a friend. He and Mueller are friends. How do you come in and essentially try to bury your friend's incredibly uh, difficult two years of, of work. God, I wish Mueller would open up a little bit. But Barr is, um, it's been said that uh, the, uh, Trump uh, never understood that an attorney general is not his lawyer. Uh, but he's got one now. Even the loathsome uh, Jeff Sessions <laughs> was, I mean, I Barr's being worse in terms of, I think, doing the bidding uh, not of uh, the American people, but of this president. And his characterization, his use of the word spying yesterday in that Senate committee was startling. That's when my blood ran cold. We now have an attorney general who is reciting the verbiage, the, you know, the, the crazed verbiage that uh, comes out of uh, the president's mouth hoax, witch hunt, spying. The FBI was not spying, it was gathering <laughs> intelligence on what at the time was perceived a potential national security threat. I mean, to call, what, to use the word spying, for the attorney general to use the word spying is to kick every 
person who works under him in the teeth. <coughs> I'm spying the term. Um, I don't know about you, but it, it, it suggests uh, nefarious, uh, potentially uh, you know, illegal. It's got a negative connotation, spying. Intelligence gathering does not. The fact that Barr, you know, in front of uh, congressional committees, so clearly stands there, sits there, um, as a firewall between the people and the findings of our Justice Department. And instead turning it all on its head and now suggesting that what needs to be done is an investigation into how the witch hunt, essentially, right, happened. He's totally, he might as well, what are they all trying to get jobs on Fox News? I don't even understand this. There is so much to be concerned about. But anyone knows how democracies die, certainly knows that when an executive branch and a judici judicial branch and whole parts of our legislative branch sort of join together in a protection racket, we're in terrible, terrible, terrible danger. It's, it's um, you know, when you try to think about just one aspect of the corruption of our institutions, um, of our private sector, public sector, it's really... I don't want to bring you guys down, but it, it, it really is it's breathtaking. And how quickly, at any rate. Another thing that um, is a absolute e example of the corruption of our system, and this brings us to healthcare system, um, is at first, I have to say, at first when I heard that people in this country were actually dying for lack of insulin, I didn't, I, I still, there's part of me, I guess it's the part that just doesn't want to lose my mind totally, that is capable of denial. I thought that's impossible. What do you mean? Insulin has been around Forever, how do you die for lack of insulin? Well, you die for lack of insulin. If this, the richest nation on earth, tolerates a misnomer of a health care system that doesn't make a life-saving drug 
affordable and available to the millions and a growing number of Americans who need it to live. How is this how, how is this allowed? This would not happen in any other <laughs> developed nation. Diabetics don't die in these other nations for lack of access to insulin. It's as important to them as access to oxygen. How do we tolerate this? And of course, the people who die for lack of insulin are people without the money to buy it. Some of them are actually, I believe, insured. But with, you know, the way our system works, high deductibles or this, that, and the other thing. Meanwhile, uh, companies have been raising the price of insulin, which is, there is no reason why that should be tolerated. And we have a government. Well, actually, let us say now, enough people apparently have died that enough members of Congress have gotten calls or visits from constituents telling these unbelievable stories of loved ones dying or putting their health in total jeopardy by not having access to this drug that is not one of these drugs that costs a gazillion dollars to make or something. Been around for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. People didn't die for lack of it. I mean, if they knew they had diabetes and had a prescription. The patent for insulin was granted like, it was granted almost a hundred years ago. There was a hearing held with pharmaceutical companies and the middlemen in our totally corrupted uh, system of health care. And um, I think it was a Republican who said, well, you guys have managed to do something that no one thought could be done in this day and age in Washington, D.C. You've created something on which the Congress, Republicans and Democrats, will come together. You've actually, by your vileness and your murderous conduct I'm not these are my words not his have brought bipartisanship on this issue so we hear that both Democrats and Republicans want to do something so do it the price of insulin has nearly doubled in the last few years 
in this great country of ours with our wonderful system of health care and health insurance access and, you know, aiding and abetting the, the greed of pharmaceutical companies, we now have um, a drug that millions of Americans require to live that on average costs $6,000 a year for each person requiring it. And now people are dying in our country for lack of access to insulin. It's, I'm, well, you know, that alone is almost all you need to know about the state of the United States. Our very name is a misnomer now. These disunited states. If I needed a drug, I have the resources to get that drug. So I should get to live because I have more financial resources than my neighbor? They should die? 2019, United States of America. Ooh, 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 USA, USA. And people are dying for lack of ability to access a drug that's been around in our entire lifetimes and was always affordable until the United States became the United States of insatiable greed. Drives me nuts. Okie doke. Yeah, Lou says, Barr makes me think, why do we trust Mueller so much? Well, we do because we've been told (laughs) that he is above reproach, that he is, I mean, by all, there's not, have you ever heard someone say a negative word about him except, like, of course, Trump? We have been told, we saw how, you know, what a tight ship he ran, he's, He's like out of some mold that doesn't exist much anymore. You know, a man of character and honor and who's tough as nails and does it by the book. By the book, by the boom. I hate that ad. You know what ad I'm talking about? What is that? I hate that ad. Okay, why do we trust Mueller, she says. Yeah, we wanted to believe that Barr was going to be at least honest or honorable, even if he were was biased. But this doesn't appear to be what's happening here. It's amazing. Oh, did you see Donald's sister, his older sister, Mary Ann? Uh, she's like 10 years older than him, but she's been a uh, a judge, a federal judge forever. 
I think first appointed by Reagan, then reappointed somewhere by Clinton. Uh, she's been around forever. This is Donald's older sister. I, I think I said that. She has finally resigned. And you know why she resigned? Because of real journalism, not WikiLeaks. Because of an article that the New York Times did. Um, was it just a week or two ago? I can't, who can remember anything anymore? Um, talking about how uh, the, the Trump family, the siblings and their children engaged in all kinds of dodgy uh, behavior in regard to uh, their uh, money and engaged in tax schemes that in all likelihood were illegal because that's what Trumps do. And she, as a federal judge, would understand the business and how she, this money was coming to her. And so she benefited financially from what, if you read the New York Times article, appeared to be criminal activity. And, um, and she was not just some bystander. And so she's just decided, well, I think I'm going to retire because even if it doesn't rise to criminal level, it rises to a level that would um, make her position uh, up for uh, the kind of scrutiny that can come uh, from a judicial uh you know, counsel. There, there are policing of uh, of judges. Uh, yeah. And since she resigned, it says the investigation into because there was an investigation started. Um, a court official. I'm sorry. I'm I, I lost my place here. Um, a court official notified um, her that an investigation uh, by the Conduct Council, Judicial Conduct Council, was was underway. And lo and behold, 10 days day later, she said, well, okay, I'm out of here. And um, the fact that she's no longer a judge by virtue of her resignation uh, means the investigation stops. Because it's not a criminal inquiry, it's, it's in-house. Retired judges are not subject to the, uh, the same conduct rules. So yet another, boy, Trump's really, they're Houdinis. They really know how to escape. And get this, this will make you puke. In retirement, she will be paid the same as she was paid while she was actually working. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't you like a, a deal like that? Boy, that's nice. She's going to, we the taxpayers are going to be paying her $200,000 a year. $200,000 a year. 
for sitting at home and counting her money. I was in Costco yesterday, bumped into a woman I knew from my television days. And boy, she told me she had been forced out, downsizing, and she was struggling financially. She was stunned by how little she got in this pension that she had been promised. And I mean, just the, you know, she's supposed to make it on $500 a month or something. Uh, Judge Trump here will get 200000 a year. I'm sorry. I mean, anyone who values any sense of fairness uh, would find that just reprehensible. Beth writes, clearly smarter than me, the moment Barr was nominated, I knew this was not going to go down a good path. I remembered his work under H.W. Bush when he was also Attorney General. He recommended the pardons of former Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger and five others, saying he found that they had been unjustly treated by a special counsel who had charged them with a number of offenses, including lying to Congress. Barr, I guess, just thinks people in positions of authority should not be held accountable ever. Gives them a break. I wonder if he'd give a break to a regular guy, maybe caught lifting a donut from a convenience store. I doubt it. After Barr was sworn in as the current Attorney General, uh, Beth writes, his son was moved from the Department of Justice over to the White House Counsel's office. You're kidding me. Barr's son works in the White House Counsel's office? <sighs> Beth writes, I also question if he and Mueller are really friends. During his confirmation hearing, he told the Senate Judiciary Committee he and Mueller were friends. Right. I watched his wife's face, and it told me they were acquaintances maybe, but not well. No, I thought he said they had dinner together, like regularly or something. Oh, who knows? Oh, dear, 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 dear. I just... Incredible. Oh, and you see who's popped back up. God help us. Yeah, the other Pope. We forget we got two right now. The other Pope. The X one. 92-year-old Pope Benedict has chimed in on the church's uh, sexual abuse scandal. And his remarks are repulsive. Essentially, he blames it on the 1960s. <laughs> Sex, drugs, and rock and roll made priests start molesting people. I don't know. I, I give up. Uh, he said, uh, 
Why did pedophilia reach such proportions? The reason is the absence of God. So I guess he's decided that the 60s, God died or something, right? And so he really seems hung up on homosexuality because he talks about homosexual cliques in seminaries. And then he suggests that since there are gay priests, that they are the ones the doing this and homosexuals tend to be pedophiles. I mean, that's a, you cannot... Uh, Here's what he says. Since I myself served in a position of responsibility as shepherd of the church at the time of the public outbreak of the crisis <coughs> and during the run-up to it, I, <coughs> I had to ask myself, even though as emeritus pope, I am no longer directly responsible uh, <coughs> what I would, uh, what I could contribute to a new beginning. So what he contributed was <laughs> that Vatican II was wrong, Catholic moral theology suffered a collapse during a period of major reforms that would be uh, throwing uh, some of his predecessors under the bus he goes on to freak out about sexual freedom. Uh, an outcome of the sexual revolution, the old pope says, is that pedophilia was then also diagnosed as allowed and appropriate. What the fuck, excuse me, is he talking about? That was a direct quote from him. Pedophilia was allowed and appropriate. So in other words, the Pope is blaming uh, the sexual abuse crisis in the church on liberals and saying that they gave the, said, go ahead, you pedophiles, go for it, and also on gays. And this goes against everything, every little thing, and I say little, that the current pope has been trying to sort of move things toward. This kind of clerical abuse, I hate to tell the old pope, was going on, <laughs> hello, well before the 1960s. You know what my guess is? It was going on in the 1860s. You know what else my guess is? Let's go back to the 1760s and the 1660s and the 1560s. Jeez. Unbelievable. So anyway, there he is. You should go back to being quiet. I mean, I thought that's what he was going to do. 
not get in the way of the current pope who's who's shooting himself in the in the foot enough in regard to this sexual abuse crisis god almighty barbara says that jeffrey tubin today that's the legal uh, scholar um Ooh, sounded the alarm about Attorney General Bill Barr's baseless claim that the FBI spied on the Trump campaign. Uh, Tubin said this. Oh, my God. After seeing what Barr had said and talking about what we, you know, here's what he said. It means Fox News is in charge of the Justice Department, he said. Oh, my God. This really, Tubin said, is an extraordinary adoption of the conspiratorial language the president and his supporters used to describe the Mueller investigation and the Justice Department. That's right. That's what he did. Barr goes before a Senate hearing yesterday and speaks of his own department using the same terminology that the, you know, the crazed conspiracy theorists and, uh, and uh, traffickers in, in propaganda use at, at Fox. The fact that he said spying, the fact that he, he suggested that there was some kind of uh, conspiracy going on means, again, he is. He's adopting we got an attorney general who might as well be Rupert Murdoch. Great. Tubin says, Barr has obviously been watching a lot of Fox News since he became a private citizen. He's adopting their language and characterization of the very department that he now heads. Well, that's how, as I said, that's how democracies die. Obed of the day, <coughs> Charles Van Doren, <coughs> died at the age of 93. Oh, boy. You do remember this, right? I mean, and if you don't, maybe you saw the movie Quiz Show <laughs> starring uh, Ralph Fiennes, right, as as Charles Van Doren. Um, yeah, Charles Van Doren. He was um, a contestant on a quiz show in the 1950s. And he was a, you know, like a gene. He was like the guy I was talking about on Jeopardy who won again. Uh he knew the answers to everything he was asked. And although he, if you ever see video of him, uh, he'd be put in this soundproof booth and ask the questions and he'd be sweating and, and really, 
you could tell, oh, God, he doesn't know. This is going to be the end of him. He doesn't. And somehow he would spit out the correct answers. He became a huge, huge phenomenon. No one had won more money. The quiz show, by the way, was called uh, 21. And he was on the cover of Time Magazine. He signed this huge contract with NBC. Um, he was, I mean, he was gold. He, by the way, was a son of a very famous man who was a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, poet and uh, literary critic, and that would be Mark Van Doren. So at the time, I mean, Mark Van Doren was very well known, and then here's his kid. And he was telegenic, that kind of, you know, Van Doren, they must be Dutch. I was going to say waspy, but Dutch kind of way. <laughs> and And then, you know... People in the Justice Department started spying about these shows, <laughs> just to use our current Attorney General's words. Uh, the FBI got, uh, you know, tips that these shows were fixed, and so they began spying on uh, on the shows. And uh, he denied in um, in a grand jury. Told a grand jury, no, I did not in any way. I knew those answers. I did it. He, he refused to acknowledge that he had in any way in, been involved in um, this conspiracy to mislead the the viewers of America. But uh, he finally cracked um, in front of Congress and. In 1959, he finally fessed up that he had been given the questions and the answers in advance of the shows. And he had, in fact, been coached on how to make it look like he was really struggling to find the answers in his head. Probably brought in, what, drama coaches for him. Well, that resulted obviously in a huge, huge uh, story, and a lot of these shows went down. He he avoided um, jail, although he was convicted of perjury and all kinds of other stuff. And he was disgraced, and uh, he ends up working though. Get this, this is sort of funny because he was a smart guy. He ends up working for the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> I'm surprised they would hire him, but they did. And um, they moved him to their Chicago headquarters, and he eventually became a vice president of <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica, which I did not know. But uh, there he was. He refused to talk about it, most of his life, he finally wrote a, a piece about it um, in uh, the New Yorker in, um, I think, this this century, I think, 2008. 
and uh, he would not help uh, anyone who made documentaries about it. He did not in any way. Uh, Robert Redford had approached him to be a uh, consultant for the film Redford was producing, which was the quiz show with Ralph Fiennes, and he refused $100,000 for that uh, position. Anyway, that's it. Charles Van Doren. Uh, you don't suppose we'll find out that the guy, this genius on, uh, on Jeopardy, is... He did the same thing yesterday. He, he, he's playing the game. I, excuse me while I rant a little bit. He's playing the game unlike anyone else has ever played it. He's playing it like the uh, professional gambler that he is. And it's, it's interesting to watch. And it shows how sort of timid most of us are. We don't say, I'm taking everything I got here and I'm putting all my chips in. And that's what he even uses that language. But every t once in a while, it doesn't. That bet doesn't work. It, last night, he lost everything in one of those bets. But he ends up ultimately by doubling down and doubling down, winning huge sums of money. I can't even remember what he's up to now. Um, and what I don't like about the way he's playing is that he's. Well, I mean, you could argue it's a game and he's playing to win. But it's also a game that we at home also like and it's always been very, it's not cutthroat. It never has been. There was one guy years ago who played it in a way that I'd never seen before and I didn't like him for it. Usually they play by starting with the easier questions in the row and moving down. But what this guy, the current guy, and what the guy years ago did is they start at the bottom with the toughest questions because you can get $1,000 or $2,000 instead of <coughs> 100 or 200 But it makes the game then this really sort of cutthroat kind of a game. And I'm not enjoying it. So this guy just starts and he goes to the very bottom, takes every $1,000 question, generally gets them. So he's got, I mean, he's in the, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like him. Winning isn't everything. It's how you play the game. I don't like how he's playing the damn game. We got a caller. I'll stop. If you guys who don't watch Jeopardy, you don't care. Um, hello, caller. Hello. Hi, Lynn. This is Bree in Dubai. Oh, hi, Bree. Can you hear me? Yes. <clears throat> hi. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, I uh, I don't know. On YouTube, the picture is uh, a still picture for me, and I have the audio, but maybe that's just my system tonight. I don't know. But yeah, you were talking about uh, Charles Van Doren, and uh, I kind of have a an interest in that whole topic. Um, I've read a lot uh, about it. In fact, I have a book here on my shelf, uh, Prime Time and Misdemeanors, about the Quiz Show Scandals. It's a very rare book. I don't know if you can 
even still find it. Um, but I was always fascinated by it. Uh, and, you know, Van Doren, one of the, the interesting aspects of it was sort of went into hiding. He was secluded for many, many years, only coming out in 2008. He wrote a, an article called All the Answers. Um, I believe it was in Vanity Fair or The New Yorker, uh, probably The New Yorker. Yes, it was. And, in which he, um, yes, and he provided his only uh, public statements, if you will, uh, about that time period. Um, so it was it was fascinating. I, he basically in the article he was trying to uh, address the issues that many people had raised uh, over the years, and he was also in a way kind of saying that you know in order to atone for this, he had turned down a hundred thousand dollar offer from Robert Redford to uh, you know to uh, consult on that movie. In other words, he was saying. I don't want to uh, profit from this. You know, he was kind of getting that in there. It's a little bit of public relations. But I always thought it was fascinating that he was able to be quiet for so long. Well, I think it was uh, the right thing to do, don't you? You know, he didn't, or do you think he owed it, what, to think, the curious? Well, nowadays. <laughs> what? Oh, nowadays. I think nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would make the person very famous. <laughs> of course, because nowadays celebrity is everything and honor is nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, well we, that, they they say that that was the time when we learned television first lied to us, you know. And <clears throat> actually, it was there was an episode of PBS. Uh, the American Experience, which right. was hosted by David McCulloch, that looked at the quiz show scandals. Uh, right. So th it's a very interesting uh, look at it on, as well. And those are really the two, um, I think, best uh, views of it. The PBS uh, documentary or the, the American Experience episode uh, and then um, you know, all the answers uh, article. And the Robert Redford um, movie I thought was quite long. I thought it, it – uh, went into a lot of areas that perhaps it, did, it, it didn't need to do. And the one guy who was uh, Rob Morrow, I think, who played uh, the Dr. Joel on uh, Northern Exposure, I, I never really bought into his accent. Um, you know, so that always tends to, uh, you know, well, what, what I one's viewing of a film. If you're, if, uh, Bree, what I don't remember is, so we're obviously Van Doren was not yeah, the first person. Van Doren was not the first person, the first contestant, to be given the answers. Was the guy before him that he knocked off um, on the show, had he been given the answers too? Oh, absolutely. It was rampant throughout okay. the industry. In fact, the the one that really broke it was a uh, a woman by the name of Marie Wynn, who was on a show called Dotto. And subsequently, she went on to uh, – she has written about it as well, and she now has – I forget what she's doing, but uh, she was given the answers, and there was a backup contestant whom they did not use who was sitting off screen, and he uh, found her notebook in the green room, and he was able to match that with uh, what she was saying. And then there was another guy who had written down the answers that he had been given, and he mailed the envelopes to himself uh, the day before the uh, – 
the day before. So these um, these letters were became evidence uh, in the uh, you know in these uh, testifying before Congress. I wouldn't say trials, but just uh, you know testifying before right. Congress. Right. Well, it's amazing if that many people were involved in this conspiracy that it wasn't outed uh, quicker. It's amazing. Well, and what's also interesting, yeah, and what's also interesting, you're right, in that there were so many people that did this, and yet it was not really an issue until they had the focal point in the Charles Van Doren character, that he had become, uh, you know, so widely known, and, you know, and that uh, we we couldn't believe that, or the American public at the time couldn't believe that he would have succumbed to, you know, to be a part of this, And, and, and it was only really his involvement that 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 drove uh, the people to uh, you know in Congress to take it as seriously as they did I think and to raise it uh, to those levels um, you know maybe because television was still relatively in its in its uh, you know in its early stages that people really maybe thought that you could run a game show like this sort of like a you know, you might see in a carnival that, you know, uh, honesty had nothing to do with it. What you had to do is put on a good show. It could be that they hadn't right. figured out that that's not the way this is going to work. I don't know. Huh. That's right. Yeah, they, they, they were writing the rule book at the time. And there's been a researcher who came out recently who wrote a book called uh, Mediated Authenticity. And it, she uh, posits that uh, we've gone through different phases in with our media in, in terms of uh, its its authenticity. She and she she talks about War of the Worlds and radio uh, being the first time that sort of radio broke this contract right. with the audience, and the quiz shows were the second instance. And now she's she uh, I haven't got to the end of the book, but she's talking about social media and fake news, and she says that this is an another. Um, another version of that, right. that, uh, you know, that, that the, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting argument. Uh, as I said, I haven't finished the book, so I have to finish the book, but I've always been fascinated by the, the quiz show scandals and, uh, the people that were involved and, in, and, in, and what it meant for the industry. And I think that to a large extent, uh, a lot of the game shows, I mean, not Wheel of Fortune and not necessarily Jeopardy, although, they would be easy to rig. If you, if you think about it on Jeopardy, I've seen a couple times where a contestant will show their buzzer with their finger. They kind of get a little addled that, like, hey, I was buzzing in, but somehow it's not reading right, me. Right, right, you know? right, And right. so you wonder if the producers are sitting there, the producers are sitting there and saying, let's give the edge to person A on this question. So if they buzz in, let's let A buzz in instead of B. Or, you know, I don't know how those algorithms work on the on the buzzers, but... You know, that's one. And the other area is that you can, you know, those contestants in advance. Therefore, depending on which um, categories you put there, you can give the edge to that person. So if this guy that's on Jeopardy now, if he's winning lots of money and they want to knock him off, you know, let's say Susie comes along and Susie knows about cooking and boxing, uh, then they can have categories on cooking and boxing and they know Susie's likely to to win this. Now, I'm not saying they do that. I'm just saying it, it certainly is a possibility. Right. Well, I think this guy wins because of his his first of all, he's he's a you know, he knows a ton of stuff, but also because of the way he he bets. 
So he ends up with so much more money than anybody else that you can't catch him. It's yeah, that's part of the game. Yeah, it is part of the game. But you know, you gotta. It makes it so cutthroat when it's always been more of a you know, know, it's been a sweet kind of game of you know bright people going up against each other in a very you know decorous kind of way, and now it, it just seems like God. It's. I'm not enjoying it. Well, It'll it be also interesting seems to like, see. You know, I don't get to watch um, those programs here. They're syndicated in the oh, U.S., but oh. uh, we don't have them over here. So I suppose I could somehow figure it out to watch it online, but well, I, I'm you sure know, th- I, I won't go to someone's trouble. For no, no, but I'm sure this guy, if he keeps going, is going to be uh, like Charles Van Doren is going to end up on the cover of some magazine because it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. He's only been on what four four days, and he's changed everything. So he's he's something. Well, it, you know, and the other thing is, is they like to get. I think every once in a while, I, I wonder if the producers sit around, and they say, you know, we need to, we need to get in the news. Like it's almost like a, a cyclical thing. I did like when you talked about Wheel of Fortune and how they introduced the couples and how yeah. over time. That, that this has some kind of a an effect on the culture and our societies. That's an that would be an interesting study. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how you would set it up, uh, but uh, but your feeling on that is would represent an interesting, uh, I think, uh, sociological media oriented right. Uh, right. study but, of of some sort. Because you're right. I mean, I do feel that yeah, Wheel of Fortune, and I'm sure some of the other shows have um, have normalized uh you know what a lot of people would find abnormal you know uh same-sex couples and and, uh interracial couples when that would come when that show would come on i was i would always because i would watch jeopardy and wheel of fortune would come on after and i would you know turn the television off i've never been a big fan of of Wheel of Fortune. I always say wheel of stupidity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's not but, a. But I, I think they like it when when there are viral moments. There was one the other day. The 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 thing was treasure chest, but the guy uh, he guessed treasure ghost, and uh, he didn't know that there were only vowels left or something, and so that got in the news. And so this guy on Jeopardy gets in the news. I think they the producers like that. They. You know, they set up for to get that because nowadays you've got to get in the social media sphere in order to get anybody's attention. Well, uh, I'm I sure did, their ratings yeah. will go way up now that this guy's on it. Well, I did wonder to myself that with Alex Trebek and his uh, cancer diagnosis, that it is conceivable that the producers thought, let's make, you know, this last year of Alex's uh, tenure Let's make it the greatest yeah. ever. And maybe they knew this guy was going to just blow the place away. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they know because they, they film it in advance. Yeah, so right. they're able to, they're ready to be ready. You know, mm-hmm. just, it's kind of like the, the uh, American Idols and the, and the, you know, those shows. They sort of, they have it down pat now. They have a system. They know 